Hare Krishna. It's my great privilege today to uh, welcome His Holiness Bhakti Vikash Swami as our guest on the Deshi 1170 KLOK radio. His Holiness is a Tridandi Sannyasi, a renounced monk in the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition of Bhakti Yoga or devotional service to Lord Krishna. He is a leading preacher in the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, also known as ISKCON, or the Hare Krishna Movement. Listeners are encouraged to call in at 408-912-5565. That's 408-912-5565 with your questions or comments. Please give us a call. Welcome, Swamiji. Hare Krishna. Although you're a sannyasi in the Vaishnava tradition, you were born in England in a non-Hindu family. So how did you become involved in this Indian spiritual tradition? I wasn't looking for anything Indian or Hindu. I just wanted to find out what's the best thing to do with my life. And, well, to put a long story short, I was uh, aimless, seeing that people are just passing their life. They've got money, they've got all they need, but people are miserable. I thought, why should I be like that? Why should I follow them? Let me find out what's the best thing I can do with my life. And Krishna guided me to this. How did you find out about Hare Krishna? Uh, I, I first saw on a TV program. I wasn't really watching it, but it just happened to come up. And then I just I saw that and I remembered the name of the village in which they were establishing a center just outside London, close to where I was living in my father's house at the time. Later, I was living in Ireland, and uh, I got a book written by Srila Prabhupada, the founder of this movement, called Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It's interesting that I was staying in someone's house, and they had that book, and they weren't reading it, but I read it. And then I thought, oh yeah, I remember, I saw on the TV program a year or so ago. And then I thought, okay, there was no center in Ireland at the time, so I went back to England, I went to the center, and yeah, I'm still. About what year was that? That was I, 75. I joined the movement in 1975. So, what was it like after you joined? What what practices do you follow, and what have you done since since then? Well, the practices start very early in the morning, which is one of the reasons I was convinced to join because I saw these people are really serious. By circumstances, the first time I went there, I was forced to stay overnight because. Like I said, it wasn't far from my father's house. It was about 12 miles. So I cycled. Uh, nice sunny day in England. By the time I got there, it was snowing. It's typical English weather. <laughs> and I had a puncture. And there was no puncture repair shop around, so I was forced to stay overnight. And they got me up early in the morning, 4 o'clock, threw me in a cold shower. And uh, we were doing worship, arati, at 4.30 in the morning. And I thought, these people do this every day, they're serious, and they're, they're happy, they're getting, the, you can see the radiance, the, the happiness that they're getting is a kind of happiness I'd never seen before or imagined before. And it obviously wasn't any uh, bodily happiness, because you don't get any bodily happiness from getting up in the cold in England in the winter, taking a cold shower at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so they, were, they, were, they had something which is beyond the body, that was... Tremendous, and I knew I had to give my life here because I have to go this way. Did you get a chance to meet uh, Swami Prabhupada, the founder of ISKCON? Meet means uh, I personally saw him several times and uh, sat in on his lectures and 
Uh, one time just like this, there's a radio program, London Broadcasting Corporation, a bombastic name, I think it went out of business after a year or two. But uh, I was there, there was a very interesting exchange, and uh, once I was personally alone with Srila Prabhupada, when he gave me Gayatri Mantras, and so I didn't have that much direct personal interaction with him, no. So what did this initiation into Gayatri Mantra and, and uh, Maha Mantra entail? Well, the most important thing is the initiation into the Maha Mantra. Maha Mantra means the great chanting for deliverance. That's Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we are enjoined or we vow to chant this mantra on beads, uh, one string of beads, 108 beads, and we have to chant at least 16 times around every day, which takes about two hours mantra meditation, and also to follow the principles of no meat-eating, no gambling, no illicit sex, which means that uh, sex is allowed within marriage only for procreation, and no intoxication. So it's a serious commitment for serious people. It's not your... Uh, you know, lollipop spiritualism. We've, we've seen people also chanting Hare Krishna with musical instruments out on city streets. Uh, what is that all about? That's about bringing the gift of Krishna to everyone. Let people hear Krishna's name. They'll be purified by that. And let people have a taste of real spiritual happiness. The devotees taste spiritual happiness by chanting the names of Krishna. And... Many people think it's strange, but many people can appreciate that there's there's something really joyful here, and they uh, they like to find out more about it. So it's a matter of propagation. I was told a few years ago that <clears throat> someone had taken one of our devotees took a course in public relations, or what, what do they call it now? They have all, they change communications. Communications. There are all kinds of euphemistic names. Um, so he or maybe she had gone uh, not dresses in traditional devotional dress and in the course of the course the uh, teacher said that gave the example of the Hare Krishna movement <laughs> that what great publicity it's it's unique it's uh, op- it, it's very much out in the open it's attractive it's attracts people's attention. He said, this is a great method of publicity. He just gave that as a, as a, as an example of great communications. How about that? <laughs> so you joined in 1975. That's something like 37 years ago. What have you been doing since then? I've been chanting Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Studying these scriptures at the Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam. And physically, I've been engaged in the teaching of this spiritual culture um, since 1977 in India and neighboring countries. India, Bangladesh, uh, Burma, Thailand, Malaysia. From 79 to 89, I was in Burma, Thailand and these countries. And then from 89, based in India again. What was it like um, trying to um, spread Krishna consciousness in countries like Burma and Thailand, which are Buddhist countries? Uh, that's, well, I, I didn't 
in Burma, we were only allowed to go for one week at a time at that time. And uh, I was mostly meeting with Hindus. I didn't have much interaction with Buddhists. In Thailand, it's, uh, people are receptive. They, 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 in as much as respectful to monks, we can say, but not very receptive to a spiritual message. Um, the country is, oh, that's a big discussion. How in Thailand the most important word in the whole Thai vocabulary is sanuk, which means happiness, which bodily pleasure. It's equated with bodily pleasure. So it's a very, uh, we can say the whole culture, although there's a lot. Buddhism is very influential, but it's a very sensuous culture also. So real interest in spiritual values I found very low there. It might be surprising considering... It's a Buddhist, but it's a, it's Buddhist religion. It's not Buddhist, uh, it true, I wouldn't say it's, this might be controversial, but it's, I don't find a truly Buddhist ethos there in, in the spirit of the Buddha. The Santi Asok is one cult who want to bring the, I'm not saying cult in a pejorative way. They want to bring back the real Buddhism. So they, they try to practice as ori- the original Buddha did. But otherwise, the country is quite saturated in sensualism, which is one main reason that many people go there for gross sensual enjoyment. So it's a little tough. Uh, How about other countries? You said you also were uh, engaged in Bangladesh? Yeah, yeah. And how is the, can you describe what it's like there? Is there any uh, government restriction on... Uh... Well, when we first went there, when I first went there in 1979, it was very difficult in many ways. Uh, the government was, in retrospect, they were more curious, but we took it, they would, we'd often get people from different intelligence agencies coming and asking, interrogating us, and they're all different intelligence agencies, all working disconnectedly in, in rivalry with each other. So once in one day I had three people from three different agencies all coming and asking me so many questions. And there was some difficulties. Some of our devotees got arrested and this and that and on spying charges. I mean, just completely ridiculous. But uh, the, the it's changed now. Bangladesh is more economically prosperous, not as prosperous as the Bay Area, but uh, it's not... People are... Not so much in a in a very extremely tight economic condition, and uh, our movement has probably been accepted better there than anywhere else in the world, among the Hindus in particular, because because um, you'll find that throughout India there are d- in different areas there are different religious cultures, just like. In the Hindi-speaking area, we can say the, the, the Vaishnava dharma is uh, mostly concentrated on Ram Charit Manas uh, with pockets of Krishna Bhakti, Vrindavan in particular, Jaipur. And uh, in Maharashtra, the, the used to be very much, and still is very much centered on Vital, Panduranga, although since the time of Lokamanya Tilak, there's been a lot of Ganapati, more inclination that way. So we find different flavors and moods and cultures, but in Bangladesh, the traditional culture of the Hindus, for want of a better term, has been that which Srila Prabhupada came to give us, which is the 
teachings and practice of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, worship of Radha Krishna, via Sankirtan, chanting of the holy names of Krishna with, with drums and bells. So it's been very well received there. And uh, many Muslims have also, uh, they respect that. Now we have annually Rathiatra festivals through the main street of Dhaka, the capital, and Chittagong and other. This was the second city. And ministers come and they're all Muslims and they speak and so on. So it's been very well accepted there. I'd like to remind our listeners that uh, to please call in at Desi 1170 AM, 408-912-5565. That's 408-912-5565. And ask your questions to the Swami. So uh, you mentioned these books and reading the Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Hare Krishnas all over the world keep distributing these books. And uh, why is that? And what, what do they expect us to get from them? Knowledge. Spiritual knowledge. There's so much knowledge in the world. This, this uh, Bay Area is... Is it the capital of IT? Well, people in Seattle might disagree. But uh, <laughs> it's inf- a lot of information. But knowledge of the purpose of life. Who are we? Where have we come from? Why? What are we doing on this little planet hurtling around in space? Who are we? How did I end up in this body? What what put me in this situation? I didn't choose to get the kind of body that I got. Most people, if uh, if they could choose, they'd do a good uh, plastic surgery on themselves <laughs> if they could redesign their body. But uh, by circumstance, we're forced into a certain situation. We're forced to die. No one wants to die. Everyone wants to forget that. But these books give us the knowledge of who we are, why we are in the present situation we are in, the perilous situation that we're in, because we all have to suffer death, uh, we all have to struggle, we all suffer old age, we all suffer disease, anxiety, in so many ways. How to get free from suffering? That should be the real uh, subject of knowledge. That should be taught in the school. There's some, all the education is just... Uh, centered on how to earn money, but okay, money, then you can buy some food and you can uh, live, that supports your body, but when we understand that we are not just the body, the body is temporary, but I am eternal, then we understand that the the frontiers of knowledge are far wider than everything you can put in, everything that is put in supercomputers and everything that Google has uh, made available. (laughs) Well, there are so many scriptures in the world, Bible, Quran, even many different Sanskrit, Vedic scriptures. Which, which ones do the Hare Krishna movement most recommend? Well, there is a difference. I mean, scripture is a generic term. But uh, generally in what we call the Abrahamic religions, that's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, we're asked just, here's the scripture, believe it. But we find in Bhagavad Gita... It's, it's quite a different approach because Krishna wants to convince Arjuna of the facts of spiritual knowledge and then Arjuna has to choose, Arjuna has to imbibe this knowledge, uh, understand it and act on that principle. So it's a, it's a completely different approach. One of them, in one of them we're practically asked to turn off our intelligence and just believe. 
which w- was a problem for me because uh, as a kid because I thought it, see my mother's from an Irish Catholic background and as everyone knows Northern Ireland so uh, there I don't know what they teach now but it used to be taught on one side of the street in the school they teach if you don't believe in the Virgin Mary you go to hell and on the other side of the street if you do you go to hell so you know there's no intelligent way to understand or in, in like if you Someone say you believe in Jesus or you go to hell, and someone else says no, you have to Islam, and you have to you believe this and you go to hell. So there's no intelligent way to understand. It's just based on faith, and it it seems like a gamble. But uh, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna he asks us to understand what is the nature of the soul, and he explains what is the difference between the soul and the body, how the soul is eternal how we have an eternal subordinate relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is himself. So it's a, it's a very, very different approach. So, yeah, I would recommend, uh, nowadays the world is highly cosmopolitan. So uh, people, they, they, they choose a university or they choose a course and they're very careful about the food they eat, they're, they're careful about who they marry, so we should we try to use some intelligent, uh, it, we make an intelligent decision. So the most important thing of all is, is, is uh, what scripture should we try to understand? What scripture should we follow? I mean, we should apply some intelligence and not be carried away by hype or charisma or fear Scripture means that God is, is communicating with us on an intelligent platform. Scriptures are not for animals. They don't have enough intelligence. Only humans have intelligence. So the, the best scriptures are those which awaken our intelligence. Of course, by intelligence alone we cannot understand God. But uh, it's a necessary factor to get started in the right direction. Does Krishna recommend in the Bhagavad Gita that we should... Chant Hare Krishna the way you uh, do in the Hare Krishna movement? Yes. Krishna says, Satatam kirte yanto maam yatantas chajuravrataha namaschantas chamaam bhakta nitya yukta upasate. Krishna describing the Mahatmas in the previous verse to this. He has described the Mahatmas. Mahatmas are persons, Krishna says, Mahatmanas tumang parata daiving prakriti mashitaha. Persons who have taken uh, shelter in his divine energy. Uh, so he describes that the, the symptom of them, he describes, they're always engaged in kirtan, always chanting about me. So, engaged in devotional service, uh, always engaged in devotional service. They offer obeisance to me in devotion, and in this way they're always uh, active in serving Krishna. So yes, it's mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. And that's elaborated upon in Srimad Bhagavatam and other uh, major canonical works. Once again, I remind our listeners, uh, please call in with your questions, 408-912-5565. If you have any questions for the Swami, it would be nice if you could call. Um, you mentioned Srimad Bhagavatam, and you also mentioned the book uh, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Could you say something about that and what attracted you to that? Well, Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is Srila Prabhupada's English uh, prose rendition of the 10th canto. 
of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah, the Srimad Bhagavatam opens with, oh, if I was to, to discuss the first verse, then, then, uh, you could run out of time. DC Radio doesn't have enough time for that. But, uh, I, I can recommend read it yourself. The first verse, the, the very, uh, even the, just one or two words, the first two words, Janmadhyasya Yataha. The absolute truth is that from which everything emanates, in which everything rests, and into which everything ultimately enters. That's that's the meaning of those encapsulated in those short words. So the, there's uh, so much discussion of the nature of the Supreme, which is called therein within the Srimad Bhagavata. Uh, Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam. It is scientific knowledge of the uh, nature of the Supreme Person. We do have a caller on the line. Uh, please uh, state your name and where, where you're calling from and, uh, and ask your question. Hi, I'm Raja calling from San Jose. Hare Krishna, Raja. Hare Krishna. I, I would like to know how uh, relevant all these Vedas and scriptures from the East are in the present, in the present society, in the modern world. And... What is the right age to uh, like inquire into all these spiritual matters? Relevance in the modern world is as relevant as ever. It never becomes irrelevant because it, the Vedic scriptures, they deal with subjects which are transcendental to time. Just like in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Janma Mrityu Jaravyadhi Dukkato Shanudarshanam. One symptom of genuine knowledge is to always observe that this world is smitten by the miseries of birth, death, old age and disease. So nowadays we have so many modern technological, what are called advancements, but still people have to suffer birth, death, old age and disease. It's, it's a problem which no amount of technology is ever going to solve. I mean, the medicine is supposed to solve different diseases, but I don't see that the hospitals are going out of business. They're more and more being built all the time. So uh, these are perennial problems, and the Vedas give uh, eternal solutions to these problems. The caller's other question was, what age? What age should we take to this? Uh, as soon as the consciousness awakens for it, which... As, as soon as possible. Often children are very much more spiritually alert than the adults. The adults get all messed up by having their brains filled with all kinds of irrelevant information. But often children are, are very alert and, and ask good questions that their parents can't answer. Like, why are we here? Why, why, what are we doing here? Komara Acharet Pragyo Dharman Bhagavataniha in Srimad Bhagavatam, it's stated that from the very beginning of life, um, as soon as one is cognizant, one should, uh, one who is actually intelligent, should uh, try to understand all these subject matters. What is the nature of God? And what is my relationship with God? Because this human life, it's valuable. We can inquire into that as if we're in the subhuman species. We don't have the 
facility to do so. But it doesn't last very long. We're not going to be alive very long. So better get started soon. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have. I, I want to thank you very much, Swamiji, for joining us, and uh, I found it a very in- interesting and enlightening presentation. I've been asked to make a couple of announcements about ISKCON, and there is an ISKCON temple uh, in San Jose at 951 South Bascom Avenue, uh, where it has been located for the past seven years, but ISKCON of Silicon Valley has purchased a new building in Mountain View, um, that uh, will be open early next year. They're working on a, a renovation project. You can visit uh, www.virtualtemple.org uh, or www.iscon.org um, is a general website that uh, can help you find. There's more than 500 ISKCON temples all over the world, uh, and you can find one near you. There's also an ISKCON temple in Berkeley. Uh, for those of you who are going to attend the Independence Day Parade in Fremont on Saturday and Sunday, ISKCON Berkeley will be holding a Rathiatra of Lord Jagannath there, and ISKCON Silicon Valley also requests everyone to visit their booth there. And um, we thank you all very much for listening.